1 John chapter 4. Hear the word of God. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming, and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us, and he who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. And by the grace of God, may we be found faithful to the teaching of his word. And by his grace and honor, just give him glory and honor for the work that he does in us. Maybe see
I really didn't know. Can you hear me all right? There we go. Put that up there. Um, I really didn't know these, the first and last songs we sung here today. But I was really blessed by them, very much so. Um, in fact, the last verse of that song we just sang, I was struck by it. It's the very heart of, of what I'd like to share with you today. Um, speak, O Lord, renew our minds. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. That's what I'd like to talk about. And truths unchanged from the dawn of time that we echo down that through eternity and by grace we'll stand on your promises and by faith we'll walk as you walk with us. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. I was really blessed by that, really edified by that. And in the first song, um, just uh, amazing where countless worshipers will share one song and cries of worthy will honor the Lamb. So, <clears throat> we've been edified and taught already today, I think, um, just in song. Uh, it's good to be with you all. That's, uh, uh, I say this sincerely and deeply that um, we think of you all often and there's not a single family here that we don't think fondly of and with deep love uh, think of think of you often and so um, <clears throat> it's a joy to be here it really is uh, I don't feel right coming being gone for so long to come up here and first thing I do is preach because I don't, I don't know I just feel like I have so much to learn from you and not the other way around um, because I do we, we have missed that that sharpening that we always found in this this assembly in this body. Um, thank you also for your, your love and prayers for us. Um, many of you uh, blessed us, and, and all of you in some way, when uh, I broke my leg this winter and down, and man, we were really uh, encouraged and blessed and felt your prayers, and God just uh, really sustained us and did that. And then when Justin and I went to Japan, uh, having the confidence of your prayers was, uh, was a real bolster to us. So, uh, it's good to be with you. Um, I'd like to uh, speak with you today about something. I think we know and, and we hear. And, but I know for myself, I don't think we think deeply enough about it or talk enough about it. And that is the abundant love of Almighty God for us. And um, there's significance in the words I chose there, the abundant love of Almighty God for us. And I haven't had, to be honest with you, the time <clears throat> that I would normally like uh, to prepare for such uh, messages and to, to really dig as deep as I would like and, and thoroughly, but uh, just pray for God's help as we do this. And, and let's do that one more time, if you don't mind. Father, as we just come now to look at your word, I just beseech you, Father, for your help, and I beseech you, Father, for your uh, power, and uh, that you would just open your word unto us and give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and that your body would be edified together in love today. Oh, Lord God, that you will just be exalted 
be high and lifted up here in this place, Father, for your glory, for you are worthy, O Lord. So thankful, Father, that you've called out this assembly here, and that you have poured out your grace and love upon us so that these songs of praises can be lifted up to you. So even help the weak in heart, O God, today to leave here rejoicing, singing the songs of your praises and all the bustle of this week. It's settled down now and you just help us to focus on you. Thank you, Father, for giving us your word here. Um, Thank you for that. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Before we come back and look at a little more deeply at some of the text that we read here, I'd just like to read to you from 1 Timothy, also um, chapter 1, 14 and 15. It's Paul speaking here, of course, and he's kind of given his own testimony. He says, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. God's chief aim for all humanity is that we love Him with every fiber of our being. Everything we are. This has been His demand on humanity since the beginning of time. It is His right to demand this. For without Him there is no beginning. He is the beginning and the end. There will be an end of the world, by the way. Yet if Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, would have succeeded in loving God their Father this way, with everything they had, and not been drawn away to to other loves, then I suppose the sin and darkness and corruption and evil that we now see all over the world would not be there, and there would be no need for God to destroy this world and make a new one. He's going to make a new one, wherein dwells only righteousness. There would be nothing else. Not a hint. And we need not dig very deep into history of the world, or our own history for that matter, to to realize why there's a need for a new one. Furthermore, when Jehovah God singled out Israel to make a nation that would stand as a witness and testimony to all other nations, He gave them what Jesus called the first and the greatest commandment. He said it plainly forth in the Pentateuch by his prophet Moses. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. God is always after the heart, isn't he? He is not satisfied 
with intellectual worship. He is not satisfied with outward show and great devotion to external religion, no matter how many times we may attend church or read the Bible or say prayers or other such things. His command that heralds forth from the beginning of time is still the same today, this very moment, this very hour. Love me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Israel fell, by the way. And God scattered them all over the world. Let me ask you. How do you think you are doing with this? For the dishonest person who may be responding in their mind to that question that they are doing pretty good, then let me remind you what God says is the chief way in which we demonstrate the truthfulness of our love for Him. It is that we love our neighbor as ourselves. And that we always and at all times treat them the way that we want to be treated. I also remind you that the Bible teaches that our neighbor is not just someone who lives close to us, though that can sometimes be very well all the clarity we need in this matter, but rather it is anyone with whom our paths may cross. Furthermore, just in case a dishonest person still remains in the room, Jesus sheds his infallible, soul-searching light on the heart of this command when he taught that we are to love even our enemies even those who despitefully use us. So I ask you again, how are you doing on loving God with all your heart, with everything you got, and loving your neighbor, your wife, your husband, your children, your mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters, your in-laws, your boss, your co-workers, your employees, your distant relatives, the stranger in need, the widow, the fatherless, and the resident jerks in your life. Are you always patient and kind with them? Are you never envious of them? Do you always rejoice in their promotions and happiness? Do you rejoice when your siblings get what you would like to have? children? Are you always humble, polite, and honest with them? I'm talking about every person and type of person I just mentioned in that list. Because we could probably single out some of those we're really, really good at. But probably not. Are you always unselfish, unresentful, and always the think, thinking the best you can about these persons? Do you lovingly endure their mistreatments of you? Or are you easily provoked and offended when they don't treat you as you feel they should treat you? For the unbeliever or the false convert within the sound of this, I suppose you do not care or think much for these things. It doesn't really bother you that much to treat people differently than what I just described. And you are no doubt rather defensive of why you have the right to mistreat those who mistreat you. Worse yet, you are probably like the unwise person the Bible talks about 
who compares themselves to others instead of comparing yourself to God. And you are thinking of how you may not be perfect in these regards, but you are better than most. The defenses you are making in your mind even now are not much different than the ones you will make on the day of judgment. When you stand before God, declaring how your works are mostly good and you point to what you consider as a long train of them. But this is such a person that Jesus Christ said, He will say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Unless you repent and believe the good news I am, by God's grace, going to share with you today. For the true believer, under the sound of my voice, I trust you have a different response. I trust that you had no need for me to expose the lack of love in you. Because the Spirit of God that dwells in you has already taught you and convicted you of it. And the law of God that demands heart devotion is written on the tables of your heart. Your heart is broken over not loving God and loving others as you should. You are miserable when you are not in right relation with God and others. You long to be right with Him. Whether believer or unbeliever, the lack of love in us is not acceptable. And the answer to the both is look unto Jesus. As I recently read what one man wrote, he said, I have been bitten by the serpent. The poison of selfishness is in my veins. I have looked to Christ and not perished. John 3 says, And no man, no man, not one, you can look down through the corridors of history also, like I said before, we can look back and see the corruption and evil of the world. But you also look down through history and you'll see some really good guys. I speak of Moses and of Daniel and of Joseph and of Job and of Jeremiah and of David. Such men. But none of them could do this. No man has ascended up to heaven but he that came down from heaven. Even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I hope that phrase doesn't get old with us. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible is clear that all sin is wretched. We tend to categorize it, don't we? We're shocked over sin and other people far more than we are horrified over the sin in us. But all sin is wretched. And what is sin? Sin is any, as the gospel, our first John, uh, the apostle here in 1 John tells us, the transgression of the law, is it not? Sin is the transgression of the law. And since perfect love of God and our neighbor is the fulfilling of the law, 
That sums up the law and the prophets, does it not? Love God and love your neighbor. Then anything less than this is transgression. For the unbeliever, you need to humble yourself and confess yourself in need of a Savior and believe the love of God for you in Christ. For the believer, you need to be renewed in your mind and discover even more of the height and breadth and depth of God's love for you so that you might be filled with the fullness of God and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Unbeliever, look unto Jesus as your only hope and make a profession of faith in His name. Believer, remember, remember that you have a high priest in the heavens making intercession for you. Even Jesus, the Son of God, so hold fast your profession, for He is faithful, that is promise. Hold fast, hold fast your profession, because He ever liveth to make intercession for you. Because He is able to save unto othermost all that come unto God by Him, for He ever liveth make intercession for us. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. But my primary address is to believers today. And, and I must say that being the poor soldier that I am, there is no other way but by the grace of God that I can stand here and say, fight the good fight of faith. Stand fast. Brothers and sisters, you do not need me to tell you that this is a fight. It is a fight to not let the throngs push us out from Jesus to keep us from staying near to Him. How the world would pull us and push us and drag us. But we must fight on. We must keep our eyes on Him. We must fight, not, as Paul said, not with uncertainty of one who just beats the air like the one who beats the air before they fall to their doom. And there's nothing that they can grab hold of. But with certainty, the same certainty of the woman in the Bible, remember her, that pushed through the throngs to get to Jesus because of her infirmity. And she fought the fight of faith. She fought through the crowds and she reached forth with her, her arms and she found something, even if it's just the hem of his garment. More and more I'm beginning to discover that the key to loving God rightly and loving others rightly is to first drink in the depths of how much and how truly and how fully God loves us. I'm still on a sippy cup, by the way. And if God in times past has spoken through babes, I pray that He will do that again today. And I do not say that lightly. I really don't. This is what I would like to do today to take a deeper and prolonged look at the wonder of God's love for us in this new covenant. You know, under the old covenant, the promise was that to those who love God with all their heart, their soul, their mind and strength, they would be blessed and live. But with this covenant also had to come the rigorous system of daily sacrifices and yearly sacrifices 
for the sins of the people. But God did something new. Remember the words of Jesus? So I'll do a new work in you in your day. No one will believe it. It's not that the love of God was not evident. He set his love on Israel, did he not? But it was not the same as what we can experience now to what he offers us now. This new covenant is predicated upon God loving us. And this love is indescribable. Drink in the depths of it. We've got to drink in the depths of it, brothers and sisters. Almighty, eternal God decided to love us with all His heart, with all His soul, and with all His might. Let's not miss it. This is the power of the church. Without the love of God in Christ for us, we have no flame to light our candlestick with. Without Golgotha, there is no hill to put a city on. And if our love and our good works and our, de- and our devotion is the foundation on which we build, then we are on sinking sand. How strong, however, how firm, how unmovable and unshakable is that house built upon the love of God. Because His steadfast love never changes. How wide, how long, how deep, how high. I submit that although the new Jerusalem is going to be filled every whit from top to bottom and from front side to side with the love of God, I highly doubt that it can contain it all. But do you doubt its sufficiency? Do you doubt the sufficiency of God's love alone for you? Do you doubt its wonder? I have. Um, I would like, I would like to uh, look at what I call the three sixteen passages. You know, we know the most famous three sixteen passage of the Bible, right? John three sixteen. Um, let's look first at Ephesians three sixteen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians three sixteen. prayer of the apostle to the Ephesians was that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love 
may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. This is what we need. And how do we get it? That we would be filled with all the fullness of God. But how do we get it? By focusing, by comprehending, by drinking in the depths of His love for us. That's how. This is how the body grows. Zedified in, in Ephesians 4 in the next chapter. It says, grow up into Christ. And he talks about the edifying of the body in love. So my, mo- my main focus here today is just to try to take us back and visit the love of God for us. And what is the love of God? You know, 1 John 4 says this very plain and clear statement. He says, God is love. Well, what is love? I mean, we, we have all these distortions of it in our day, in our culture in particular, right? We do. So the Bible helps us with this. It tells us exactly what love is, what it looks like, and how God loves us. It says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. So what is the love of God? How deep is the love of God? Well, it was so deep He sent His only begotten Son. That's a big deal, brothers and sisters. That's a really big deal. 1 John 3, 16 says, Hereby we perceive the love of God because He laid down His life for us. You want to know about the love of God? He laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Ephesians 2 says, But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. This is the grace of God. This is the love of God. This is what it looks like. The richness, the depth of it. Even, even when we were dead in sin. Remember when I told you that Christ said, as you know, that true love not only involves loving God, not only involves loving the, the ones that are naturally dear to us, but even our enemies. And this is exactly what He did for us. 
He exemplified this to the fullest. But God commended His love toward us, Romans 5 says, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Titus 3, 4. And following says, But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. See, you cannot separate the love of God from the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. All these verses I read, it's always connected. The love of God and His giving of Himself. So, let's go back and look at our text in 1 John 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God. Knoweth God. See, love is the opposite of sin. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Sin is the transgression of the law. Love is of God and sin is of the devil. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And here it goes again. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world. That we might live through Him. And this next verse is the crux of it all. You take this verse away, you have no gospel. You have no gospel. And you are without hope in the world. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. If your hope rests in your love of God, and that's what you point to, and you say, see, I love God, See, I love others well. I fear for your foundation. I fear for your foundation. But let me tell you, though, it's precisely this understanding, it's precisely this truth that makes it even possible for us to love God and love others. It's the wellspring from whence it flows. So we must be very aware also of false teachers who would lead us to believe 
what this does, it sets it up for us to live how we want to. That we just have this freedom to live how we want to. That that's what our liberty's for. That that's what the grace of God is for. It's not so we can say, see, I can sin and get away with it. I can live how I want to. I can live selfishly. And God's not going to do anything to me. Oh, we're missing it. We're missing it. And, and oh, how the devil will come with such tempting things, will he not? But, here's the whole point. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So, so my hope and my prayer for us is that and what God's been trying to do in my own life personally, and He's always trying to do, and He's always relentless about, is just this exaltation of Himself Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So it stands reason then. We, we ought not even waste our time trying to love one another in the strength of our own flesh until we stop and go back to the first point. God so loved us. We've got to drink that in. You see what I'm saying? We have got to drink that in. We've got to know that we have got to comprehend the length and the breadth and the height, the depth of it. And I, I told you before, I'm still on a sippy cup with it. So who's worthy for these things? But the love of God it's the bookend of all of it. Love is of God. We cannot love rightly apart from Him. We cannot love rightly apart from His power in our life. Jesus said in John 13, this is significant because it was some of the last words, the last direct teaching He gives to His disciples before He was crucified. And He says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. As First John says here, if you are a child of God, you will love. You will love. Love will be an earmark of your life. you must ever keep before you that here in his love not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins so we have to come to grips with something we have to come to grips with whether or not we fail at this.
And as you as we read on there in First John, as we left off there. <clears throat> Here, um, where did I leave off? Verse 11, I think. Verse 12. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us, because He hath given us His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God. God dwelleth in Him, and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. It's the basis of our faith, brothers and sisters. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Herein is our love made perfect. This verse can have some some weight to it, some, some difficulties. Again, bear with me, but how is our love made perfect? Isn't it God in him? God in us? Christ in you, the hope of glory? Another verse says, it's God. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because feareth torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And he comes back to it again. He's driving home a point. We love him because he first loved us. We're not the source of perfect love. He is. Our love is not perfect. His is. And make no mistake about it, if a man say, I love God, and hate his brother, he's a liar. But he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. We can't boast of our love in God when we're not loving others, rightly. I'd like you to look back at the verses Steve actually read in the beginning of the service, verse chapter 3, verse 1. He's just driving this home. Behold, look, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. The things of this world can sometimes cloud our vision of this. But dear friends, this is why we must renew our minds. 
Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we could be called the sons of God. Do you value that supremely? Do you drink that in on a daily basis, on a regular basis? What you have been given? What, how great this gift is? How great this love is of God for us? Do, are you not humbled and broken constantly by how you do not value it enough in your life? Are you not broken and grieved and bowed down often? Of what you do with that gift? I heard somebody say recently, and it rang true in my soul. I don't know if it does in your or not, in yours or not, but it said something to the effect that the person who has arrived, who feels they have arrived in their mind, cannot tend to worship God as tenderly and deeply as that person who has not. When you come to a service today, did, did you come to service today when maybe you prayed for the service? Was your thoughts leaning towards someone else who needed to hear a message today? How we do that? You know how, you know how we do that? Or will you come with the cry of your heart, Oh God, I need more of you. Oh God, I have let the little things of this world cloud my view of you, my vision of you. Things are pushing me away. Because I submit to you that if we come to see how valuable this is, how supremely valuable this is, those things will not move us so much. Behoved, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we, even we, should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Man, we should just care not a whit of what the world thinks of us. Not a whit. We should be so wrapped up with Him. We are marked. We are marked. We are different. We are unique. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now are we the sons of God. Now. He has given us this gift now. Because it's not possible for Him to lie. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. For we know that. When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So here's another reason why we need to often and frequently and foremostly, I submit to you today, keep before us the love of God for us. And talk about it often and always. Behold, our God. Behold His love for us. Behold how great a salvation, how great the mercies, how great the kindness, how abundant the faith and hope and love that is offered to us in Jesus Christ. Not only because 
It is the source of our everything. The source of our truth, the source of our hope, the source of the flame of which we are to light up this world. It is the way in which the church is to be edified. Rooted and grounded in love and built up in His love as the day together, as we together exhort one another and pull one another to consider and to comprehend the breadth and the length and the depth of the height of the knowledge of God and of His love for us so that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Not only that, but because we all know what is the chief end of man, what is the chief purpose to glorify God. How is God most glorified? When we love Him with every fiber of our being. And when we love our neighbor as ourselves. Because Jesus said, as you've done it unto the least of the brethren, you've done it unto me. As First John comes back and hammers home. You know, John's that apostle that talked about this issue a lot. That's why I think it's the disciple whom Jesus loved. He just talked about this constantly, bringing us back. We've got to love one another. We've got to love one another. We've got to love one another because He so loved us. See? Because we cannot love one another rightly and deeply and fully as we should unless it's springing up out of that. You see, I'm speaking to those who are you're hampered and haggard by, by life. You're weighed down. You're burdened. You just don't, you don't feel like you ever meet up. You don't ever match up. You just don't perform as well as you know you should. You're drinking from the wrong well. I'm guilty of this too. I go back there sometimes too and it's bitter. Drink from the wrong well. We're, we're thinking that I'll just find joy if I can just perform better. If I can just do right a longer period of time, whatever it may be. We need to go back to this well and drink of it. You see, the love of God. Rest in it. Drink well of it. Here in His love, not that we love God, but that He first loved us. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. You see? And He says here, it does not yet appear what we shall be. So the other reason that I submit to you why we need to keep this before us is precisely because we are not yet perfect in love. It's precisely because we still see through a glass darkly. Because we haven't seen Him face to face. Because this is one of the longings and aims of heaven. As 1 Corinthians 13 says this, Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face then shall we know even as also we are known and it says here we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is so we do taste and we ought to be and this is a mark of Christians that we are tasting we are experiencing and this power is evident in our life there is love in us going on because we are the ones drinking deeply. We are the ones who have believed in His Son and received His Son and received the love that God has for us. 
And that love will be working in us. And by these mercies and by this love, we are called to sin not. We are called to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. Because of that. But there is also in this other way in which it is not fully and completely realized. Again, this is not to make an excuse. This is to make us long more. I'll tell you the fact. Things are too easy here where we live. Too much ease and comfort, really. Because I've found this, I've found this. You, you know, you, you, some of you probably have people, met people like this, you've bumped into them in your life. It seems to be the people who have gone through the darkest, deepest valleys. The people who have gone through great suffering and trial of life that's almost indescribable. And there's no other way, there's really no other way to explain how they come out, come through that with just this radiant, calm, peace and love on their soul. And it's almost like they don't care about anything else but just loving people. And it's so pure and so deep and so strong. I think you probably, you know what I'm talking about. Because here's my, what I think, and isn't it also what Romans 5 says, right? Tribulation, work, patient, perseverance, and, and this hope. You see, it's just the trials of our faith. Because the person that's just all wrapped up with, boy, I can't believe Americans are like this, or I'm glad I'm not like that person, and come to church thinking about, wow, I hope that person gets the message today. I don't think they've been through that valley yet. You know, so there's something about the trials of persecution, tribulation, so that we are just stripped down bare, just Him. Our only hope, our only, our, 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 the only thing we can, we have to hang on to at all is the hem of His garment. And that's all it takes for His love to just flow through us. Jesus talks about those who come to Him that out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. We just got to come to the end of ourselves. That's what it's about, is coming to the end of ourselves. And just seeing and resting and knowing the anchor for our soul is that here in His love, not that we love God, but that He first loved us. And I would like to bring things to a close with Romans 8. If you want to turn there, we all should know these passages pretty well, but Romans 8, 28. And following. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom 
He did predestinate them He also called, and whom He called, them He also justified, and whom He justified, them He also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, if God be Do you really believe that? I mean, do you really believe it? Do you feel it in your soul? God is for you. Do you believe it? If God be for us, who? Who? Who can be against us? There's a lot of people that try. There's a lot of people to line up to condemn us. There's a lot of people that will, but if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son. This is coming back. God is wanting us to know, don't you know how deeply I love you? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not? How shall He not? With Him also freely, freely give us all things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? No, I say, I I submit to you again, these things will only make our love grow for him. They will. They will. For I am persuaded. No, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God which is in Christ. We are perfect. All those who come to God by Him are perfected forever. You are accepted in the Beloved, dear ones. That's the depth of the love of God. Vile and wretched and helpless we, spotless Son of God was He. He gave Himself for us. And He was the propitiation for our sins. And the fact that we have failed and we have failed miserably to love God with all our being and we have failed miserably to love others with all our being is precisely why we need a Savior. And it's precisely why we need an advocate now. And it's precisely why we need to just continually come. Continually come and drink of this well. And we need to remember how deep His love is for us. That has to begin be the beginning point. It's the grace of God from which we have to work. And I, I leave you with the exhortation of Jude. Keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling 
and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forever. And make no mistake about it. This love should change us. What trite things are you living for? What affections and love have you let grow in your heart? You can't say you love God and love those things you're loving. You can't. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And here's the other thing. When you, find, when you discover the love that God has for you, and you believe that and embrace that, His commandments aren't grievous. It's a natural reciprocation that you would want to love Him. To love Him back. We love Him by keeping His commandments and loving the brethren. We love Him because He first loved us because the history of the world and our own history was sufficient enough to realize we were without hope in the world. See, like I told one of my children just this week, as I often do with my children, when they mistake, they disobey, or they do something wrong. This is, this is why Jesus had to come. Because you just transgressed the law of God. And you know what? It's too late for you. You are without hope. You cannot stand before God, pure and holy and just now. It's, it's all over. But the good news is that Jesus Christ came to die in your place and, and He is love. And, and He's the perfect fulfilling of it. And He never fails. And He always, at all times, and in every moment, laid down His life. And humbled Himself. And He obeyed the Father. And he fulfilled His will. This is why we need a Savior. So, I say, brothers and sisters, keep yourself in the love of God. See, he, he, uh, the mystery of godliness, he always exhorts us, like Steve said earlier. He tells us, keep it. Work it out. Act it out. Act like you're children of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called the sons of God. And he's telling me all the time, Shane, act like it, would you? Act like it. Behold what manner. Behold what manner of love the Father's given unto us. This life is too short and too precious. And his love is too real and too deep and too great to be compared to anything else and to waste our life. Keep yourselves in the love of God because it is He who keeps you. It is He who will keep you from falling. It is your confidence and your rest in that that will give you joy 
and will give you power. It is your confidence and rest in His love for you that will allow living waters to flow out of you and be a blessing to others. And it may be, well me, may be that we'll need the help of the fiery trials to get there. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And he who gave up his own son for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, right? So we have to be reminded of these things. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power. Don't seek after your glory. Don't seek after your own glory. He died for you, man. He died for you, woman. Is that not enough? He gave His only begotten Son for you. You doubt His love? Are you not satisfied with that? He calls you Son of God. He's offered you an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, a faith not away, reserved in heaven. You want something else? You want something more? Oh, we must be done with our selfish, self little world that we're building of just self-seeking, loveless, mean-spirited, godless living. We need to be done with that. And we need to be like our Lord and Savior. We need to, we need to just once again behold the wonder of it. Behold the wonder of His love for us. So that we would just love people. Because he so loved us. Just love people. You can't love people if you're seeking your own. That's the very first one, right? Charity suffered long. He's kind. Terry Bonham myself is not puffed up. Seek it not at own. Do not live this selfless, selfish life. It's the selfless life that he's called us to. And he did it for us. He set the example. He showed us the way. He's a real leader. He's a real kind of leader. And, and men, we need to be these kind of leaders of our household. We are called to be leaders of our household, but this is the kind of leader we're called to be. Not the selfish kind, not the self-seeking kind. Father, help us, Lord. Help us. I don't know it all. I don't know all there is to know about you. I know that. And, and I know that there's still many mysteries to me. But there's a couple of things I know right well. I know my own unworthiness and I know that you are worthy. That you alone are worthy. There is no man who has ascended up to heaven 
because no man could. And there is no man found in all of heaven that day to open the scrolls because no man could but the Lamb of God. And we will overcome this world by His blood, by His name. I know that. That you are worthy to receive all glory and honor and power and majesty and dominion. This world is yours. Oh God, I just pray, please help every struggling soul here today to just drink in fully and deeply the love of God that you have showed us abundantly in the giving of your Son so that we can be full of you and not ourselves. Help every soul that's here today that has been trusting somewhat in their own righteousness or they have just been so self-centered they have not cared a whit. Maybe indicating that they have not the Spirit of God in them. Help them to see what manner of love you've given unto us. Oh God, help us all to see that there is nothing to be compared to you. And help us to see that we cannot glorify you and love you rightly if we're not loving one another. Do this work in us, O God. In Jesus' name, amen.